Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. What's up, Ray? Hello, Tristan. How's it going, man? Happy belated birthday. It is always appreciated. Nothing I appreciate more than somebody taking the time to say happy birthday. I never Very ask nice. people Thank how you. old they are. I ask them what year they were born. What year were you born? Uh, what year? 1980. 80. Okay. Conceived in the 70s, uh, born in 80. That's when things started to change, man. I remember the 70s well, and then the Reagans came in the year you were born. So the year I was born, JFK was elected. The year you were born, Ronnie was elected. Those were two different, you know, Kennedy ushered in the 60s and all it represented. And then by the 20 years later, Reagan was saying, too much, man. Just say no. That was Nancy's (laughs) thing, his wife. Yeah, I I remember that well. Are Are you familiar with that campaign? Very much, yeah. As a kid growing up in the 80s, I mean, it was plastered all over our elementary schools. Of, of course, we grew up with that. Oh, man. That was her thing. Just say no was, you know, just say no to excess, really. And that, and that's what that was. I remember, um, so my brother got married in 91, and I was his best man. But we had, um, I lived in a place in 82, 83, 84, where it was truly Animal House. There were seven guys in this three-story house. And that's where I met Patty. And... uh my brother was always hanging around up in Wayne, New Jersey, and I was gave the toast at his wedding, and his father-in-law, Mr. Kilpatrick, was a retired Dumont police officer and then became the mayor of the town. He was a great guy, and he was actually pretty, pretty liberal, still alive. Um, but when I gave my toast, the Grateful Dead have a song called One More Saturday Night, and I had the DJ cue that up, and I said, Mr. Kilpatrick, I know a lot of people... Um, in the 80s wanted us to just say no but just so you know your future your your now son-in-law was much too busy just saying yes on every saturday <laughs> night and then went into that one more saturday night we were <laughs> too busy saying yes but nice. it was an interesting time man and it ushered in um it ushered in something we're still living with which was trickle down and supply side and low taxes and here we are 42 years later your age and it's still with us yeah, no, you, you completely still see um, fingerprints of Reagan and oh, the yeah. 80s all over the country, for yeah, sure. Even among Democrats, Tristan. Who's the Democrat that wants to say it's time to increase taxes, even though it probably is? You, how far is that campaign? There's a bumper sticker, huh? Time to increase taxes. Oh, yeah, you're, you're, not, you're not making it through a primary with that slogan. No. No, I mean, <laughs> uh, 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 Mondale. Mondale tried it in 84 when he ran against Reagan. And he stood on stage in that famous debate and said, uh, both of us here are going to raise your taxes. Only one of us is honest about it. You know how many states he won? One. His own, Minnesota. Reagan won 49 freaking states in 1984. And Mondale won his home state of Minnesota. That's it. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, that's But that does. That, that literally sounds like some Democrat messaging, right? Like, that is something right. a Democrat would do. Oh, no, we want to raise your taxes. This is what right. we want to do. 
Yeah. Yeah. And they oh, never seem to learn. You know, Republicans learned. You, you, can, uh, you can teach Republicans things. Democrats what? seem to make the same mistakes. And I think, is that going to lead us into today's show topic? Are we going to talk about the, I hate, I hate to even utter this phrase, Tristan, because it's kind of anathema for me. But are we going to uh, chat a bit about the difficulties of being a guy or more specifically a white guy in American society right now? Man, I, I just think we're really due for the White Grievance podcast today. I, I, you know what? I think right now we could just tell all of our, all of our liberal friends that listen, and, and there are plenty, just, just take this episode maybe off. Like, maybe just turn it off here, tune it in, in you know, about 40 minutes for the comedy. But, no, I, you know, I, I think we want to be fair, but I, I think it's a conversation to be had. Not that it's harder being a white person than anybody else it certainly is not it's uh you know certainly there is something to um white privilege um but i think there's a lot of nuance in a lot of this and i think uh, what i'm seeing in society is that our party is doing a pretty good job of just perpetuating a message that white people are kind of shitty and that the rest of the people are not and and i don't know if that is is a great way and and that may be a bit dramatic and and overstated but and i don't think our politicians say that but I do think there is a bit of that on Twitter and a bit of that in the media. So I thought, yeah, we could dive into that. Yes, this was all your idea. So to our liberal <laughs> friends who are turning off their computers, or my daughter, Brielle, who would find this anathema. Um, yes. And she, and she well, wants to do a show with us. So we'll, love that. We'll, we'll get her on. Yeah, I, w- I would love it also, because she's got a lot to say, especially about the gender issue and, and so forth. But, uh, you know, Tristan, I've often thought, uh, or not just thought, I've said that Probably what gets my goat, upsets me, pisses me off more than anything else is a white person tell a white person in America telling me how difficult their life is as a white person. If you're a white person in Jamaica, maybe or you know Nigeria, perhaps, but a, a white person in America, no. So I come to this with a little bit of a jaundiced eye, but I think, uh, th- and in the interest of full disclosure, this sort of uh, happened in our office the other day, didn't it? The genesis for this show. Bit. You came in to collect some money, and which is the only time I ever see you, by the way. Which and, is uh, fair. Uh, and, and we started talking about how, and I, I, I won't put words in your mouth, but let me see if I can state it this way. It's kind of like you're afraid to say anything right now because somebody's going to be pissed. Sure. And, and you, you know, don't know who that somebody that. is, right? <clears throat> sure. That's a fair, fair caricature of what we said. So did you did you know, I don't have more really much more than that other than to say, um, I guess that is the identity politics that the left plays right now. Identity politics, meaning you identify with minorities, you identify with gay folks, you identify with transgender folks, you identify, identify, identify. But maybe somebody gets left out in all of that identifying. Well, you know, I think you sort of made my point a minute ago about not feeling bad for white people in America. And I think as a generalization, that works infinitely and completely. Like, nobody should feel sorry for a, a white person in America. Especially a white man. For the color, right, white man uh, for the color of their skin. So I think that sort of goes into the white privilege issue. Like, sort of the my understanding of the definition of white privilege is that we've never been oppressed because of the color of our skin. So for that reason, there is white privilege because most and many black people certainly have been, you know, treated differently just because of the color of their skin. So for that reason, it's it's a completely fair thing to say. But 
I think my point is there's so much nuance, and I think the Republicans, to their credit, kind of are trying to find that, that it is, there's a lot of broke, dirt poor, abused white folks in this country. So I think when those folks hear some of this stuff about white privilege or, um, you know, I guess. The advantage that they have. I'm, I'm trying to think of how, how I want. <clears throat> right. There's certainly the advantage that they have. It is, it is, it's hard for those people to, to sit and listen to that as a generalization. So I think, you know, it's not a good thing to make a blanket statement about black folks or Mexican folks. And, and also I think we should just be cognizant of the fact that, and again, I'm not, I don't want pity for white people. We, we certainly don't need pity. We're the majority, uh, you know, white men. I get it. But at the same time, there has to be an understanding that just because somebody is underserved or because somebody was um, faced racism or, or a, a bad lifestyle for who they were generalizing white folks or white men that's no better than the awful white men from the 1950s that would have done that as a generalization to black folks, right? Like we have to be able to say, okay, there's a certain group of people in the white race that are awful. I mean, can't we, can't we find that nuance Ray or is it, we just, it's just saves time and it's just well, easier to just place I think Trump white men it, as bad. He? Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I think he, tapped I think into he that did a tap lot. into it. So, so the only, I guess the only caveat I'd add would be, um, you know, to compare what's happening to white men now to what white men did in the 50s is that what we miss when we say that is white men still have the power in the country. So until that shifts, and isn't that the fight we're fighting now? Isn't it the, uh, you know, people will say what we're seeing now is the last stand of the white man controlling everything. Um, but for right now, all of the power, and by power I mean the banking structure, the money supply. If you and I go and we need money, 95% chance we're going to be talking to a white male about the money that we need because that's who who still controls the money supply. And when you control the money supply, you control the power. So I would say that, you know, minority folks would say that, that you still have all of that power. And are we trying to wrestle some of, some of it away from you? Yes, we are. And that's a hell of a fight. That's a tough fight. And I don't even know, you know, really where you find that common ground. I mean, it, it may be 50 years or 100 down the road, but shit, we may be still having these same fights. I, I You know, it's, it's tough to relinquish power. Nobody wants to, right? So isn't that the a big factor in all of this, that some segment of uh, white people, specifically white men, feel like they're under attack? Well, I, again, I think the deal with that is, and, and you keep making my point with the generalization of white men have the power, I think it's a pretty small segment of these white men that have the power. And I think what Trump tapped into was the 80% below that top 20% that say, I've been poor as shit my whole life. I live in a trailer park. You know, nobody's really given me much. You know, I get a job over at the save a lot and make six, $7 an hour. Like, you know, there's hey, my power. Where, you know, so I feel like what, yeah. <laughs> which is a nice, uh, a nice ad for the bowling alley right now. But no, so I think what Trump tapped into to me, and that's one of the things was, this 80% of people, certainly in Appalachia, where, where we are right now, like, look, I don't know that there's a lot of people that would consider themselves powerful or wealthy. or I mean, yes, there is, but I don't think that's the majority of folks that you and I would run into through the course of a day. So I feel like those people feel like I'm kind of getting shit on as this 
um, I don't know, this, this person that's supposed to be, you know, in the majority all right. with all this money, so, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks that aren't. So, so how do you find that I think nuance that's a between... really fair point. I think that's a great point you just made. And, and I would say that um, furthering that point would be uh, the ignoring of those people by so many of those powerful white folks that live in New York and the suburbs of New York and North Jersey and Connecticut and around Hollywood and San Francisco and maybe Chicago. Um, but most of, uh, they're, they're largely ignored. Most of those powerful white folks have no fucking idea what life is like for the people you're talking about and really don't care about them. Is that fair? No, I, I think that's, that's part of it. Fair. And that's part of that resentment that that Trump tapped. Sure. And Trizen, let me and let me just say this. And and now it's getting further. Uh, it's getting worse because those very people are being told, "Suck it up, asshole. You're a white guy. Your life is great just because of that." And and stop telling me that uh, um, you know you're falling behind because others are getting a little something. And so that's just further pissing them off. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly nailing it. So so these people that again, you know, you're you're growing up rural, poor, you know, nothing is certainly handed to to a lot of the folks we live around. Um, you know, the the bare minimum of federal payments that might you know considered welfare, whatever, food stamps. Look, right. nobody's getting rich on that. Nobody's right. just living this high life. And so yeah, I do think there is. You know, there is some resentment when you get on Twitter, get on TV and and you see, you know, again, without a lot of context about white privilege. And, and again, if you're hearing white privilege, you're like, gee, where's my white privilege? And of course, again, you do a deep dive into that. And again, it just means that you haven't been treated differently because of your race. So it's not saying that you had a privilege, privileged life. It's just saying that nothing that you faced was a direct result of how you were born color wise. So, yeah, I mean, and again, I don't know that a lot of Appalachian folks that are poor are doing a deep dive in politics to find out the exactly what some no. of this stuff means. I mean, again, we've talked about that being the problem of uh, liberal messaging. It's, you know, the Republicans do such a great job in putting it on a ball cap where you really have to do some research to figure out what the hell our side's talking about half the time. You know, defund the police, white privilege. I mean, a lot of that stuff is... At face value, it's it's dumb as shit. <laughs> but again, once you do the research into it, you see, oh, okay. Well, white privilege just means that I haven't faced, you know, an issue due to color. You know, defund the police more means let's send, you know, so a mental health professional as opposed to a cop when it's needed. But again, no nobody's doing that deep no. dive into some of this stuff. So yeah, it, so it, but and to me, we've got to do a better job. I mean, we've got to do a better job of saying. <laughs> In our messaging, it's not a white people issue or a white man issue or men are bad. Like, we have to be able well, to find this nuance. Like, we again, our messaging can't be the right, Klan's but, messaging in the 50, 50s about black people. We can't just say blacks no, are bad or whites are uh, bad. Don't Democrats have to be beholden somewhat to the people who elected them, Tristan? So if you're Joe Biden, you know, those white guys that we're talking about didn't vote for him. I mean, it's, it's, it's back to my old... You know, the thing I've been saying now for 10 years, we know how 70 percent of white men in America are going to vote. <clears throat> we know how 90 percent of African-Americans are going to vote. 
Hispanic folks are eh, 50-50-ish, 60-40 maybe in favor of Democrats. And so what huge demographic is being left out? And that's white women, right? And, and it was white women who elected Trump in 2016, and it's white women who voted against Trump in 2020. It's why he won in 16. It's why he lost in 20. And we saw that in 2018 when Pelosi came back as speaker and white women put Democrats back because they were pissed and felt like Trump had maybe sold them short or whatever. But if you're um, if you are that poor rural person that you're talking about, um, as you said, the nuance, you see a Democratic Party that you were once the base of. You were the backbone. It was it was white Southern Democrats who elected Franklin Delano Roosevelt four times, 32, 36, 40, 44. It was not Northeastern progressives or whatever they were called, liberals at that time. They weren't even liberals. They were they were really Republican moderates, Tristan, is what was. You know, I grew up in New Jersey. It was a solidly Republican state because it's a rich state. And that's, you know, when you had money, you had Republicans, right? So it was the backbone. Those folks you're talking about were the backbone of the Democratic Party, and the Democrats lost them. But they didn't lose them because of the lack of money they were spending, because you could bring in Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson, and they would tell you, since LBJ and his Great Society program, we have spent literally hundreds of billions of dollars on Appalachian poor people. So don't tell me we haven't spent money on them. And and there is really a lot of ignorance about how much money's been spent. So if the Democrats lost the backbone of their party in the early part of the 20th century, it was based on what? It was based on something other than the money that was being spent. And I think it's all those social issues, right? No, it certainly does. Uh, You know, for me, it certainly seems like a lot of, you know, the Republicans do a good job of of, uh, marketing Democrats as uh, non-secular or uh, non-religious and you know, sort of almost being anti-Christianity. And I think some of these things that, you know, once you're able to market somebody as that in a deeply, you know, literally the Bible belt, you know, it's tough to come back from that. I mean, you can paint all kinds of different untruths on a, on a party that, that once you've started doing that, but no, I think again, it's, well, also, Tristan, let's be honest. Um, yes, that's absolutely right. Religion pl- plays a huge role, has and ha- a- a- did and still does in the Bible Belt. But also, when LBJ signed the Civil Rights Act in 65, he was a Southerner. He was a Texan. And he said, upon signing that legislation, we have lost the South for at least a generation. And it's more than a generation. So that also played a role. Yeah. And again, I think my thing is... I just want to be conscious as a party in a country of overcorrecting. Like it just goes without saying the injustice we did to black folks in this country. Like, obviously it goes without saying, I mean, I'm open to a conversation about reparations. Um, You know, there's, again, it would be completely naive or stupid to, to say that folks haven't went through a lot of injustice, but again, don't you have to fix that with equality because if you overcorrect by saying, you know, white men are horrible as a generalization, and I don't think that's a political thing. I don't think a politician is going to stand up and say that. So it's more of a cultural thing, more of a in the culture you see, you know, this angry white men or this uh, toxic masculinity term. And I don't know. I feel like that is almost an overcorrection. And certainly it's not the biggest issue facing the country. It's not the biggest issue facing really anything. It's just a conversation for us to have here on our little podcast, but it does feel like that's an overcorrection to me when we're demonizing 
men generally and not specific people who do bad things. Yeah, and I don't know that it's not important. I think it's hugely important. I, I think, uh, you know, we have to ask ourselves how we've reached this point of division and polarization. And obviously the past five or six years has has attributed enormously to furthering that divide. But it wasn't Trump who caused it. He took advantage of it. But, I mean, this goes back to, you know, I, I, I don't know, Tristan, at least the 80s, I guess. You know, they talk about Reagan and uh, Tip O'Neill, um, the Democratic Speaker of the House and the Republican president getting together after a work day where they literally beat one another up and would share a glass of, of, of scotch together and, and, and chat. And that seems not to happen anymore. And it would be nice to get back to it. But the degree to which it's not happening has to do with all of these things. The, the, uh, the divide has grown enormously large. It's the lack of trust from either side. It's the bankers of New York and the Hollywood producers of California that really could give a rat's ass about the very people you're talking about. In turn, those very people you're talking about think that they're, you know, devil worshipers on either coast. And, and, and the media plays into it. Fox News will tell you that on their side. MSNBC will tell you that on their side. There's this, there's this, uh, I was watching Fox last night. And of course, they're not talking anything about the January 6th hearings. I mean, they're not even broadcasting them, which is, in my mind, ridiculous. Because Agreed. my, Ray's first rule of politics is never give your, adversary, your enemy, a weapon with which they can beat you up. And if, by Fox opting out of covering those hearings, it allows Rachel Maddow and Lawrence O'Donnell and the rest to say, look at these people. They're not even broadcasting. We would not do that. And they wouldn't. If Trump were, or if O'Biden, O'Biden, if Obama <laughs> were in a hearing or Joe Biden, MSNBC would be showing it. 100% chance they'd be showing it. There is no doubt. Right, and here's the I thing. I think it's inexcusable what Fox is doing. I completely agree, and part of that is, you know, you could call it a witch hunt on the right, or you could say it's, you know, quote, fake news or whatever, it's political. But look, the people that they're talking to, I mean, Trump's daughter uh, was interviewed and said some really damning stuff. Bill Barr, who's the president's attorney general, like, these are not, this is not Adam Schiff sitting up there and saying stuff that you disagree well, with. that's it. This They've is, done a really... Yeah, this this is people yeah, done a, in the party who are saying yeah. all this stuff. So I mean, this is again, exactly. and there's they've nothing, done a really skillful job of that. And there's nothing to gain for these people. Like, there's Trump's daughter doesn't gain no. anything to stand there and and be honest about losing the election. So I mean, people have to take that seriously. Hey, and Ray, before we get too far, I would like to go ahead and mention our sponsors. Um, yeah, please. Sometimes we get, we get a little get a little excited in the conversation, but I would love to thank my buddy Aaron uh, at Berea Pond. Check him out, buckshotandled.com, 107 Clay Drive in Berea. Had a great conversation with Aaron over the weekend. I always try to <clears throat> stop into Berea Pond for about five minutes, but usually I end up in there for like 45 minutes talking politics. But we touched on red flag laws, and I thought um, that's a pretty cool topic that I know almost nothing about. But no, it's our, our buddy Terry, who the author who we interviewed, uh, said we should do a show on Reddit. He actually emailed the um, our show Facebook, or he emailed, I'm an old man. He messaged our, our Facebook and said we should do a Red Flag Law show. So maybe look for that down the road. Maybe we could bring Aaron on. Oh, nice. 
because on, on the head it's there's it sounds like it could be good but you know to talk to Aaron there's some really scary stuff that also could be lumped into that so anyway but yeah we got to get our friend Aaron from Berea Pond back on and if you get a chance uh swing in they've got a lot of great furniture uh pallets coming in every week if not uh multiple times a week so they get some really really fascinating and cool stuff in um anything you need to pawn or if you want to buy or you know if you're shopping around like almost if you just like uh kind of like a junk store not a junk store but like um like a big lots or a something like that to just go see like close out stuff like it's really cool. lovely aaron it's a junk store well you had to perpetuate it didn't you ray you couldn't just let it slide away <laughs> no i'm just saying there's like a lot of stuff in it like it's not a like a specific type store where it's just one thing like you go in and you like you can wander around like a junk store even though it's obviously not so it's a retail store so uh, but yeah, it's, it's a lot, a lot of fun. I'm in there every week. It's uh, seven, uh, excuse me, one Oh seven clay drive in Berea. And definitely want to thank our friends at bad wolf gaming, eight, five, nine, six, four, six, six, Oh six, one. Of course it's seven eleven chestnut street in Berea as well. So yeah. So Aaron, uh, study up. I'm going to study up. We'll, we'll get you on to come talk about red flag laws real soon. Yeah, we will. But what I was going to say when I made that point about Fox and then digressed is last night they were talking all about how the mainstream media didn't cover the uh, attempted uh, attempted assassination is what they call it of of uh, of uh, Justice Kavanaugh. All right, right. So the attempted assassination is a tad over the top. It was some whack off with a fucking whatever he had. But I get it that that works well, right, for their audience and it gives them a story to ignore these hearings. Um, and I think that I watch a lot of, um, you know, left-leaning media and I haven't heard them mention it much. Have you? No, no, not, not really. And again, was it, I mean, the guy turned himself in, right? Like he, he called and said, yeah, I'm a kind of a lunatic and I've got a gun and come get me. Was that sort of how it played out? What was your question? I was saying that, like he, the guy turned himself in, right? Like he called yeah. on his own and just said, so to yeah. me, that's less of a story than, and again, I, I hope this doesn't sound partisan because it's awful what the guy did. And it certainly deserved some news coverage, but sure. I mean, it's one hell of a story if he's at his door with this gun, you know, and cops take him out or versus, you know, if this guy just has some really bad thoughts and calls the police on himself and, and goes to jail, like, yeah, it's a story. And yes, it's a conversation, but I don't. I mean, certainly not as big to me as covering January sixth and, and some of this stuff. I mean, that's literally our government at stake versus you know a, yeah. a, a lunatic with a gun. So right, you no, know, and um, you know, it is there is some merit, I suppose, to um, Fox saying, "Look, the country's in a rough state. Inflation's rampant. Gas prices are." you know, exorbitant, the market's taking a dump and you're concentrating on this by your, it's, you know, Biden and his people, and you should be concentrating on the problems at hand, but you know, you can walk and chew gum and January 6th is a pretty big story, especially as now these details are being laid out. And every indication is that Trump was told by, as you said, reputable people like Bill Barr, um, that this bars words, not mine. This was bullshit. And then he added this, which I just think was amazing. The president seemed not at all concerned with the facts of the case. Right. Now, isn't that what the left has beat Trump up about that? His was a fact free presidency. It was uh, Kellyanne Conway who actually coined the term alternative facts. So again, right. 
you know, when things that you think get proven or seem to be proven, you feel a little bit of vindication. No, I, I think you're absolutely correct. And I mean, that that is one of the things that, you know, I think our, our friends on the right would sort of take that to, well, it's Trump being Trump. And, you know, he, he's got a mouth and we all didn't like his Twitter. And they'll be the first to say that, you know, they, they weren't happy about the Twitter and some of the stuff he says. But I, I don't know. That, again, I've said it on the show before, but I don't know that continuing this path of basically sowing um, discord in the election process and making folks believe that their vote doesn't count and, and, and creating all this doubt literally on our democracy. I just think that's a lot bigger than a crybaby who, who won't, you know what I mean? doesn't want to admit that he lost. I mean, that's a pretty big fucking deal. It's not a, a church league softball game that he's saying that, uh, you know, Oh, we won because the umpire missed the call. Like it's a, it's a big fucking deal. It's not a throwaway thing. Yes. Yeah, a I mean, legitimate and, threat to American, a, a legitimate threat to American democracy. Right, right, and, and like police officers died. You know, protesters died that day because of Donald Trump. You know, it's it's just the, the deal. It's it's a sad thing. Would you say, Tristan, that at a minimum, um, this is probably going to um, remove his ability to run again? Man, yes, but at the same time. Anything like that that you do, it's just going to martyr him so much to the point that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it does more good for the country to make him not be able to run again. Do I think what he's done lying about the election certainly deserves at least that? Absolutely. But but again, I, I don't know what that does to the election process and half the country that thinks, you know, that this man is, and I won't say half, 30% that just eat and drink everything he says is complete fact. I mean, I, I don't know that you can do that, right? Can you? What can you even do? They say the happiest man in America with these hearings is Ron DeSantis. Fair. Governor of Florida, of course, who is considered by most to be the uh, the front runner in Trump's absence on the Republican Party for the 2024 bid to president. Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult for him to run. I think, um, you know, obviously he was never a majority president. I don't think he ever pulled above 47, 48 and was down in the 30s at one point. And I just don't see uh, I mean, he may he may attempt to run, but I don't Donald Trump will never be president of this country again. Now, that said, in 2015, Tristan, I completely blew that. I'm usually pretty solid with my political predictions because I really am a hobbyist who covers it. You know, it's kind of my 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 jam, if you will. Most people find it painfully boring. I love it. Um, and but I you know, I was wrong. I didn't think there was any way Trump could get elected. So I, I was wrong on that. Um, but I just don't see him being president of this country again. No, and I think, you know, to the credit of a lot of people who really like Trump, you know, I think January 6th is a stain for a lot of people. Um, now, that It's hard said, to defend, isn't it? It's it, hard it, to defend. It really is. And I think a lot of your sort of logical uh, Republicans kind of jumped off the ship at that point. It's, you know, and they, they loved the policies that Trump had, and they really liked... Right. You know, sort of what he brought, the businessman thing and, and, and a lot of that stuff that they really, really liked, but couldn't couldn't do it anymore after that. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people that would probably still vote for him on the right if he was the candidate, but would prefer, you know, somebody without that type of stain, 
you know, I, and again, I think on both sides, if, if this was our guy, I would be the first to say, look, I, I don't want somebody that can't admit they lost. It, it's just too, it's too much for the country. You know, again, if I bring up Gore, if that was something Gore had did, I, I you know, I, I would completely throw him out with the bathwater. And I think you had sent me a meme this week. Uh, if not, I, somebody did, and it was really great. And it was referring to January 6th. And it was, you know, again, I, I bring up a lot that people told me in o Obama's last year that he wouldn't leave. He's just going to stick around. And I, I just found that so fascinating because he never gave any intent to, to be like that. But the, 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 the email or message somebody sent me this week was, imagine that was, you know, 2016. Uh, was it 16 when he left? Yes. So 16, what if Obama said, I'm not going anywhere, and he's, he tells his sycophants, I guess, for lack of, like, the people that would literally go create violence for a president because they love him so much. And then this big group of armed black folks stormed the, the militia, like the Capitol. Like, imagine the difference in public sort of perception that would have been. Had that what conversation been of, would we be having? Right. And how many yeah. more folks would have been dead or you know arrested and I, I don't know man it's it's food for thought i mean it's not something that you can can obviously see for sure but yeah imagine if that had been obama and imagine you know half a million angry armed black people stormed the capitol like i think it would be a lot different in folks minds oh my gosh i mean that is just a great point a hundred percent different i mean so that ties up a lot of things that ties up the whole white privilege thing and you know, where you are as a male and all that. But, you know, back, back to that, Tristan, if you think of even the media, um, who are, well, let me preface it this way. I, I guess it has become the last, um, you know, vestige of people who can really be picked on are white guys. Um, and where are the role models? Every white father on television is a moron, right? Every, uh, where are the stand-up, role models in the media amongst white guys homer simpson well you know and that's kind of low scale i mean troy our producer made sort of a good point in the news this week this group of like 30 white militia men yeah. coming to cause trouble at a at a gay pride rally you know <laughs> doesn't definitely make our race look great in the news you know to see these these militia guys showing up, you know, with armed to go do whatever they're going to do at a gay parade. And now, let me ask know. you this, Tristan. Go ahead. We always talk about extreme common sense and, and, and both sides. Uh, I would love to interview one of those guys. How about you? Oh, yeah. Oh, it would be absolutely fascinating. I think so, too. Yeah, I don't... I, I think so, too. Know. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot going on in their minds. There, There really is. I think a lot of it's just lack of sex. It's well, kind of proven, right? Like a lot of these militia guys that just the sort of really crazy right wing guys are just not having sex. Man, if that were the case, Trizan, I'd have shot up Meyer ten times. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> but no, it, it would um it would be interesting and what is going on? What is in that? Or, Tristan, maybe you've got to reach the point where some of those people you write off. You, where you, you know, I think I talked about that a couple podcasts back, how I've always been a person who, uh, you know, who welcomed debate and wanted to hear from all sides. And I think in that I'm, 
maybe maybe even a little different than some of my left-leaning friends who don't want to hear that, right? I, I always have. But as you get older, you, I think you realize your time is getting limited and you're just not going to be able to find common ground with everybody. And, and some people you got to kind of write off and maybe those whack-offs, you would have to write them off. Oh, no, that's completely fair. I mean, you're not going to find any, any – I mean, it, it's rare you're, that you're ever going to find one of those guys that you're going to, you know, be able to reach a point where, you know, you can agree to disagree and they kind of see where you're coming from even though they disagree. Like, you're not going to find that kind of um, agreement or at least acceptance in somebody that's willing to jump in a, a U-Haul, you know, and, and ride for a couple hundred miles to go, you know, torment homosexuals trying to celebrate, you know – themselves well that and once you're telling me that you know democrats are hiding kids underground to drink their blood yeah you know you're pretty well <laughs> gone right no it's it's the the whole thing it's I, I go to facebook memes a lot i guess they resonate with me a lot but there's one that's sort of like uh you know 1995 your parents are saying don't believe anything you see on the internet because it's all garbage and yeah. then the same parent in 2022 is, you know, uh, liberty.freedom. You know, Obama sucks says that, you know, there's a pizza place where they're raping kids and it's completely true. You know, I, you could ask my doctor. He would literally agree with every bit of that. But there is a point where, you know, common sense kind of goes out the window and people just are going to believe or a certain type of person is just going to believe anything that really resonates with them. And if no matter if it's nonsensical or not, if it sort of uh, appeals to, to their belief set, that must be true. I don't think I've ever told you this story. And as I look back on it, Tristan, I realized that it was sort of my introduction to QAnon. So my very good friend, Paul, sort of lives around the corner from me, has an in-ground pool. And uh, this was probably a Saturday evening. I had to stop by Paul's for something. It's about 630 at night. And the party was over, and he was pretty well buzzed, and he um, came walking towards me. And he's like, and I have a nickname to some older friends of Buzz, and I've known Paul a long time. And he's like, Buzz, i got to ask you something, man. You know, you follow politics. He's like, a friend of mine's sister was over. This is a woman, probably 50. And we were all hanging out, having a good time, and she started talking about Democrats have. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. This is when fracking was big, too. And there were these earthquakes that were happening. Remember the earthquakes in, like, Oklahoma yeah. and Pennsylvania? Or, or not maybe earthquakes, an overstatement. The earth was giving in. That's right. I forgot that part of it. And she said, you know, the earth giving way has nothing to do with fracking. What that is is caves that Democrats have dug out where they're hiding children that they're going to rape and drink their blood. And I was like, Christ, Paul, who is this? And he goes, man, I'm telling you, this is like a reasonable person. I've known her for years. And that was, and I didn't even realize it at the time, Tris. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then, you know, within that year, he started hearing about QAnon and all this craziness. But that was like mine and Paul's introduction. And he was like visibly shook. And Paul's a pretty cool customer. He's like, what is, is there anything to this? What is going on? And so once you've gone down that road, it's pro there's probably very it's probably a difficult to come back and b what are you going to say to that person that you can find common ground with them man yes great point nothing at all because again people don't like admitting they're wrong anyway but once you've agreed in your mind that this is the path you're going to take and this is what you're going to believe man that's a long way to go to find your way back to sort of 
normal, standard, traditional, logic-based, fact-based belief system. Like, man, you're a long way gone. I think Mar would, Bill Marr would call that magical thinking. Right. And you know, Trisden, um, I am very upfront. And this is, I think, with no disrespect to my sister, I'm on a three-way tread, the thread, text thread with my ultra-conservative MAGA Trump, a MAGA hat-wearing sister in New Jersey and my fairly progressive um, 32-year teacher of English literature brother. And I'm sort of in the middle, certainly closer to Tommy's views. Uh, well, yeah, than her MAGA views. But um, where... Does this so? Two questions: Where does that kind of thinking derive from? How did we get there? And I don't believe that the left does that, Tristan. I I have been very upfront about my disdain for Donald Trump, and I've often added the caveat: If Trump invited you and me and a fourth person to golf at one of his uh, at one of his uh, luxury golf courses, we'd have a great day. I, I don't think he's. I, I think you'd have a fun day. Now she says, "How can you say that when you hate him like that?" That's probably a fair critique, but. <laughs> I just think that what he was attempting to do and is now being proven, really, I, I don't know what other word you can say if you've tuned these hearings in at all, because to your point, these are not, this is not AOC talking about him. Right. This is not um, Ch Chuck Schumer talking about him. This is fucking Bill Barr and, you know, the head of his uh, campaign, his own daughter, for Christ's sakes. Um, and then he disavows her. Well, she wasn't around. She didn't know. I mean, come on, Donald. Um, but I, so I've been very upfront about my disdain for Trump, but that does not uh, expand to include the entire Republican Party. You know, I've talked about how conservatism has a lot of value. I'm conservative in many areas of my life. There's plenty of good Republicans, a few kooks, no doubt. And there's a few kooks on the left, certainly a few on the right, maybe a few more on the right. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I don't disdain all things Republican or all things conservative, but these fucking people, Tristan, seem to disdain all things Democrat. If you have a D after your name, you're a worshiper of the devil and you want to drink kids' blood. What the fuck? Yeah, I mean, there, there's, no, there's no excuse for that. Like, there's not a, there's not a de defense of people that think that just because you happen to, you know, you're a little farther uh, left on say a woman's rights or whatever that that you are pro molestation and drinking blood like again that is just so far out of the realm of reality and i always say with stuff like that i hope it's a pretty small number but it is big enough that you do meet these people throughout the course of a, a month or you know a few weeks and you see them on your yeah. facebook like there's a they're prevalent enough like it's not like this fake you know stereotype that doesn't really exist like those folks are kind of there which is pretty wild. So, Tristan, where did that come from? Where does it come from? Well, I think, Ray, you may have made, may have made this point this week, and I, and I thought it was a great point. You and I were talking about, we both were checking out um, Fox News, and we were both checking out um, CNN. On some, I forget what, what it was. But I think you said... Most of I've never heard my Republican friends say that they wanted to get the other side. I never have my Republican friends now. And, and to to our sponsors' credit, Aaron, he he does get uh, some some uh, some straight normal news as well. So the, they they're out there. But I I definitely think it's it's rare that the fo the same folks that watch a lot of Fox News are also saying I need to go check out CNN to see the other side of this, or I really want to see what no. the opposing view is, and it. And maybe, again, I'm going to break my arm patting myself on the back, but it does feel like guys like you and me do want to see the other side. We don't just want to dive down a rabbit hole of, 
what website can make the other party seem the worst or what can how can we demonize these people even more? Because at the end of the day, like we're all pretty good people, like we're all just trying to go to our jobs and, you know, take care of our families like politics used to matter a lot less, I guess, than they do now. And now, you know, people just tend to judge you pretty harshly for that letter on either side. Yeah. And you do wonder how we've gotten to that place. I mean, it's, it's something that I just find fascinating and so interesting because it really is overriding everything. If we're going to save, I mean, I don't think it's an overstatement to say America is a bit in peril. American democracy is a bit in peril. And if we're going to save it and 100 years from now uh, be celebrating or 80 years from now be celebrating the, what's it, tricentennial? Tricentennial. Bicentennial. Yeah. Tri. The tricentennial, right. which would be. Uh, Three, 300. 2076? Yeah. Yeah. 18, so 50 years from now. Well, it ain't that far, Tristan. No doubt. I won't be here, but, um, <laughs> you know, if we're going to be celebrating a tricentennial, then we got to get our shit together. And such a part of that is, again, I've said it a thousand times, the mistrust and the distrust. And it is, it is on both. Um, but taking it to a place where you're raping kids and drinking their blood. And you know what, Tristan, maybe that's 10%, 8%. Maybe that's just Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates and, and, and these just whack jobs. That kid Cawthorn or Hawthorn, whatever his name was, who they thankfully did throw out on his ass. <laughs> right. Um, you know, the kid in the wheelchair. I mean, these are just fucking crazy people. That, that's what they sure. are. Now, is... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's the poster child of left-leaning um, craziness and, and the person the right beats up all the time, is she that wacky? I don't think she's that crazy. Well, again, and I've made this point, I think on the right, if you believe the farthest person on the right, you know, and again, Democrats are drinking blood, we basically need to wage war against Democrats. But if you believe everything Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says, like, Worst case scenario, you're going to spend a lot more money on protecting the earth, like in the environment, right? Like it's the no. what's the the environmental plan that she has that everybody just made complete fun of for, for years. I can't think of it off. Uh, the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal. So, again, I, I think there's a – you may not like that as a Republican, and I can certainly say that's political and that's completely your right, and there's nothing wrong with being – you know, wanting your, your tax dollars spent not on saving the planet. Look, that's completely within your purview. But if Alexandria came out and said that Republicans are are all child molesters or, you know, are all, you know, Satan worshipers or, you know, all these things like, yeah, I would be the first to say, let's get her the hell out of our party. That is a fantastic point. So the worst that would happen if you took the furthest left, well, I'm sure there's people who would say, well, no, they want to turn every kid into a non-gendered specific yada yada. Okay, all right, all right. So that's another debate. Okay. But if you took the, the, the furthest extreme of the Democratic Party, leaving aside gender for the for this moment at least, you would have more money spent on the earth and probably more money spent on the very people we were talking about at the beginning of this show. Right. Fair. And that is a thing that Republicans struggle with spending that, they, you know, I've often I've so I've said two things about the spending of money politically. Uh, both parties do it to excess, but only one's honest about it. And Republicans are fine spending money on things Republicans want. They're not always so cool with spending money on other people. Right. Where Democrats are a little more forthcoming with that and, and a little more benevolent, I guess you say. But if you take the furthest folks on the right 
and follow that doctrine, you're really going down a deep, dark, scary hole. Right. Yeah, it's this whole, you know, the the elections are rigged, of course. You know, again, the, the, the pedophilia and all the actors have this clan where they all secretly meet and drink blood with Hillary and there's lizard people. Yeah, like that's... That's that's different. Yeah, like that corner of that party is a lot different than our. And again, 100 percent, we've got our locos. No question, you know, but but no, I, I think uh, Ray, exactly to your point, like it, and that is something that I think that, uh, you know, the right really needs to have some folks answer to. Like there's some people with Nazi flags that hang on to the tail end of that party. I mean, we can do better. Like, look, I I love so many Republican people in my life it just goes without saying like i would say i have more people that i love in this world that are republicans than democrats probably but the, yeah there is some some definitely some things to to answer to on the on the on the edges of that party that are are scary as shit well where is the left's alex jones i mean this is a guy who had the audacity to tell his listeners and who are these listeners that children killed at sandy hook were actors in right. a play. Yeah. That, I mean, this is crazy stuff, Tristan, crazy stuff. And, you know, he was sued and he lost the lawsuit, you know? So, I mean, again, if, if you believe in the system at all, you know, this guy was blatantly lying about that. But yet he had an audience for it. Why? You know, it's fascinating, Ray, and I'll tell you my theory on this. And I was watching Laura Ingram um, last week or something, just again, because I feel like it's best to be well-rounded and sort of watch these people. The deal with a Laura Ingram show and somebody on the left might, or, or somebody on the right might tell me the exact same thing is true about the daily show. And, and maybe I'm blind by that. Maybe it's true, but if you watch Laura Ingram and I imagine it's the same for all these guys th that have these Fox news shows, about 80% of it is common sense. About 80% of it, you and I would say, that's probably fair, or there's some truth to that, or most of that's about right. But then they sneak in that 20% of crazy. And I don't know, I'm sure with Alex Jones or somebody that's kind of extreme and, uh, you know, believes in all these conspiracies, it may be 50-50 or something. But they sort of lure you in with some normal, you know, discussion. And you say, oh, okay, I can get behind that. I can get behind that. And I think when you're, sort of leaning towards that side anyway some of this stuff you just agree with uh, okay well if this is he's saying this and that's true then maybe this is also accurate could be yeah because i you know i don't think they're going to win you over if you immediately turn on alex jones and he's like all right folks we're talking about the lizard people today you know i mean i think you you were you ease into that it's it's not the the well <laughs> no, it's very possible. But I mean, you know the, there were actors at sandy hook my goodness fuck that's I, sick isn't because it? Yeah, I guess because you're fearful that this will lead to some kind of gun legislation, so you make up that this was, I guess that's a false flag, right? That this was the left's attempt to uh, take your gun from you, and these were just actors. I mean, how do you sleep with yourself at night? I mean, seriously, that guy right. is just a prick. And I always, yes, 100% agree with everything you said. And I will always go back to this with my own party. I, I have a love-hate relationship with the liberals and the Democrats. But also, do people really think that the Democratic Party that I know is somehow able to pull off a false flag operation where they have thousands of actors that are able to come in and keep a secret and get paid and everybody's going to be fine with that look? 
if somebody had a secret at my office of eight people tomorrow, one of those people would tell somebody else and it would get out. You can't tell me right. that it's possible to, to, to do some of this stuff that, that they believe is, you know, false flag and, and, and just horrific, you know, for the parents of these kids and folks that have been through this stuff and these school shootings. Yeah, it's just ignorant and inhumane. Yeah, just crazy, you know, crazy talk, literally right. crazy talk. But, you know, there's an audience out there for it somewhere. Well, and to your point, though, I mean, and, and hopefully this is fair, but I mean, that's got to be the bottom five, 10 percent. I mean, again, 90 percent of Republicans, 95 percent of Republicans completely know that's bullshit. Right. Like, it's not bigger than that. You would hope. Yeah, sure. Now, you mentioned watching Fox, and yeah, I'll take your point. There's there's some common sense and things you can agree with. But, man, there's also a lot of grievance. And and this is not new with Fox. I used to say that about my buddy Limbaugh, who I haven't mentioned in a few shows. So, Rush, rest in peace. But um, I used to say that you only had to listen to Rush Limbaugh for five minutes to hear either woe is me or somebody's picking on us. You know, grievance, grievance, grievance. And I tell you what, Tristan, grievance sells. Because again, back to the beginning of our show, those people for whom you are talking grievance can relate. They say, God damn right, man, I am being picked on. That's right. And that's where you get that connection. So grievance sells, man. Grievance sells well. Unbelievably And the right so. is about a lot of grievance right now. For sure. Yeah, and it is kind of ironic because, yeah, I mean, I would certainly imagine that if you happen to be a homosexual person or a transgender person or Lord knows somebody that grew up African-American in the 50s and 60s, like those people know grievance. Like there is some genuine severe grievance that, uh, you know, that that they have faced. So, yeah, it is a little bit silly as a, you know, as a 2022 white person to say I have grievance about being a white person, reverse racism, or things are extra hard for me. And again, you can have an extra hard life, unquestionably so, but it's not because you're white. It's not because you're a Republican. It's not because you're a Christian. You may just have a shit, you know, you had a shitty start to life. You grew up poor, you know, you grew up in a place with no jobs. Like, it's fair that that people have it better than you, and you may have had an awful go of it. But again, it's not because of the color of your skin. Tell, I'll tell one more little anecdote, Tristan, because sometimes they can be enlightening and, and and kind of humorous. So I won't mention any names, but we had one of our owners uh, go on vacation and one of our employees house sat at this very nice 5,500 square foot ranch sprawling, you know, a, a white privilege house for sure. Nice. And this employee was house sitting. And one of the things he had to do was walk the dog. <clears throat> so... He is a young man who quite likes cannabis, Mother Nature. So he, not in the house, but outside the house, he helped himself to a, a little bit of, of Mother Nature to put an illegal smile on his face and took the dog for a walk. But what he didn't realize was that in so doing, he had inadvertently tripped the silent alarm. So when he came back, he went out into the field. And these people lived on like 200 acres. And he was gone, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And there's two police cars in the driveway. Now, he's a little high and paranoid as hell. <laughs> and he's just wigging out like, what the fuck? Well, they're there because the silent alarm was tripped. So he explains to him, as a long-haired white kid, what 
I just told you. And the cops are like, oh, okay, that's cool. I said, did they at least ask for an ID? He said, no, they didn't even ask for an ID. Now, if that's a black kid approaching them, what do you figure is happening to him? Because I said, man, that's one of the best examples of white privilege I've ever heard. No, and and that's the thing. I think, again, my point exactly is that it, it exists, but we can't. We can't shame white people because it exists. We can't shame a race right. of white, you know, white males or whatever. Like, look, we've got to fix it unquestionably. We've got to work on it. We've got to do better. But, but I don't know that saying that, you know, white men are the devil fixes anything. It just, again, overcorrects, overcorrects the problems that were created years ago. So and before that's we- a great point, Tristan, and that brings the show full circle. We can kind of end it there because I, I think that is a, a very fair point. That, you know, it it doesn't help anything to tell you what a horrible person you are because you're a white guy. Right. So there's a show that that's the show we should do. Trism, what about all the really decent white guys out there that help people out and and are your real good neighbors? And, you know, when when stuff takes a turn for the worse, they're there lending a hand, you know, because we know hundreds of those guys, thousands of them. Aaron would be one. Dan Cordial would be one. Our sponsors and so on and so forth and so on and so forth. There's, you know, and and they don't get a lot of play in American press anymore, do they? Well, I don't even know if it's not getting a lot of play. I mean, I'm sure people that do good deeds sort of get recognized for it. I just think in these some corners of the internet and, uh, you know, and 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 liberal media, it does become this. It's more of let's beat these people up instead of taking it on a case by case basis and say, look, of course there's some awful white men of course there's some awful white folks but again doing a lump of all these people together again that to me is it's shameful like look there's wonderful people and horrible people in every race gender look i'll tell you there's some transgender people that are assholes <laughs> there just are sure so we can't say sure. look and on the folks on the right hey there's some police officers that are assholes like look we can't any blanket statement statement either side makes about any group of people it's just ignorant and it's lazy because I think we have to accept the fact that, look, there's more good people than bad and we can't blame any race for any specific thing. Because again, it's like blaming a, a Chinese person that lives in New York yeah. for the coronavirus. They're as pissed off about it as you are. It sucks. Just so, yeah. ha- you know, just because they're that race. That's a great point. All right. So I'll leave you with this off the subject of what we're talking about, but on the subject of our podcast, uh, Lake George, New York is a, a place where we vacation every summer. Um, Patty's family has, there's a family cabin that she's a part owner of. Now, Lake George is in the Adirondacks about four hours north of New York City, uh, about two hours north of Albany. Literally one of the most beautiful places on earth. If you Google America's beautiful, most beautiful lakes, Lake George will come up third or fourth. You know, Lake Tahoe, I think, is always first and maybe something in Minnesota. Lake George is a stunningly beautiful lake. Raymond calls it, my son, Raymond calls it his favorite place on earth. And the cabin is right on the lake. You know, I'm not exaggerating because I've done this. You can stand on the deck, spit, and hit the water, right, with your spit. Nice. So just a fantastic place. Nothing fancy. Pretty rustic cabin with an outbuilding that sleeps like six people. But we were looking at, all right, so it's a 1,000-mile drive. It's about 16 hours. It's a hell of a slog. You go up. There's a couple ways you can go, but we go up all the way to Cleveland and then across Pennsylvania, New York State, which is endless because this is in the eastern part of New York. So um, 
the flights weren't working. There's an Allegiant flight that's that's affordable, but you got it, it wasn't very convenient. So we said, because ah, I said, man, I don't want to drive it again. I said, fuck it, we'll drive it. We'll split it up, maybe drive back in one day. Again, it's 15 hours, two drivers. So Ray says, well, here's an idea, Deb. We'll listen to all 42 of your podcasts while we drive. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was like, Ray, man, one of us would wind up dead over that. Either I would kill you or you would kill me. He said, we'll just put them on and listen to all 42 from the start. <laughs> you could use the numbers, though. Like We, we could use those those listener numbers. I'm all, I'm all for it. <laughs> So oh. I, I don't I don't know that we'll do that, Tristan, but uh, that's the middle of July sometime. But, brother, we have killed another hour. I don't know if we accomplished our freaking thing, but we've killed an hour. Yeah. I, I think there were some decent points, though. I think your your point was fantastic. I really like that point. If you took the furthest thing the right represents and the furthest thing the left represents, think about that. Yeah. You know? So And, and Ray, I've got to get this in. I know you're not going to like this, but as we as the show today comes to a close had a lot of fun last week interviewing Jay Schiffman, who's a oh, yeah. very intelligent, wonderful fella. Um, so hopefully if you've listened to that show or maybe uh, get, if you get a chance, check it out. He did a Ted talk. We're wrapping up that show. And Ray is like, man, we have really got to get out of here and, and wrap the show up. We went about 20 minutes long. Oh no, you're not. And we cut off the comedy. We didn't do the comedy because you had to, you had to jump off. And I thought, you know what? We do sometimes do these shows on our lunch break in the middle of our workday. Ray's really got to get to work right now. Would you like to tell our audience why we cut off a TED Talk uh, giving young man Ray to, to end the show? I had to get to work. <laughs> I think you had to get to the bathroom. <laughs> you, you had a... I, I have this... Um, I'm going to the dentist Monday, and I've got this little... Uh, I don't think it's an abscess, but an infection in my in, in my gum. TMI, I know. But I was on a course of antibiotics, and for anybody who's ever done that, when antibiotics kick in, <laughs> they kick in. And uh, plus, I still do fiber in my coffee. You know, I've gotten old. And uh, yes, I had to answer Mother Nature in a very, very direct and expeditious way. <laughs> oh, my God. So that, Yeah, I laughed about that all week, so. Oh, heck. That's funny stuff. So, yeah, and, and I think today we didn't even really touch on um, toxic masculinity, which I really wanted to, to get to a little bit, which was sort of the um, discussion about how sort of masculinity is considered toxic to a degree and how uh, favorable American women looked at Vladimir Zelensky. And I think that was a point I saw that uh, was on Mars show and how fascinating it is that how everybody hates masculinity until they see masculinity and then it becomes, oh, we kind of need that in society. But. Maybe another topic for another day. So do uh, you want to mention our sponsors here and do a little comedy? Yeah. So um, I, I take um, I, I take uh, Aaron, right? I take Berea Pawn, and, and, and you take Dan and Nasa. Sure. You've got a little comedy worked up? Well, I, you know, again, I've got the top ten list that I wrote up last week that we didn't get to because of the fiber issue on the end of the Schiffman show. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I didn't even have to, to write anything new. Okay. Well, that's cool. You want to do? You want me to do a joke of the day, and then we can close with your well, top ten. It works 10? for me. Okay, so a joke of the day brought to you by our, our good buddy Aaron at uh, Berea Pond, and, and uh, Tristan has told you all about the store, and of course, uh, I would assume the crypto um, mine is still whirring. Whirring is that the word? Makes yeah, I a think lot so. of noise in the whirring? background there. Sure. Um, although crypto is like everything else, taking a little bit of a hit of late. Yeah, yeah most definitely. So. 
I mean, the market, I, I decided, you know, I'll be 62 in September, Trizen, and I decided I'm working at least another year, probably two, because <laughs> retirement account took a hell of a hit. But I'm not alone. No, in that, I, I refuse you know? to check my Edward Jones, like right now. I'm just not even going to look at it for like six that's, months. That's yeah. best, it, especially at your age, because you, you've got years to, to let it ride. Um, I've got a cute joke, and I've got a little dirtier joke, so I'll tell the little dirtier joke brought to you by Berea Pawn, Aaron. Sorry. So. This old woman, I don't think I've told this one yet. This is, these are dads. Dad loved these. Um, this elderly lady, but she's very sweet, is, is walking down the aisles of the grocery store, and she sees this young teenage kid, and he's uh, stocking shelves. And she says, young man, uh, can you tell me where the broccoli is? And he says, oh, ma'am, I'm sorry. Um, the truck didn't come in, and we are out of broccoli. And she says, oh, okay. And she walks away. About two aisles later, same old woman, same young kid, stocking shelves. Son, can you tell me where the broccoli is? And he says, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am. I thought I told you we are out of broccoli. Oh, oh, that's fine. That's fine. Two aisles later, same woman, same kid. Son, can you tell me where the broccoli is? He says, ma'am, do you know how to spell cat as in catalyst? And she says, of course, C-A-T. He says, do you know how to spell dog as in dogmatic? Of course, D-O-G. Do you know how to spell fuck as in broccoli? She says, there's no fucking broccoli. He says, that's what I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> hey, that was a good joke. And also, like, right, there's some joke. difficulty. To, that's a, that's a, a, a not an entry-level joke. That's pretty good. Not an easy <laughs> joke to, to get out. That's Thank nice. <laughs> good stuff. All, All right. right. So, yeah. Top 10, and I don't have to leave yeah, us early. Yeah, how about that? So the, the Bad Wolf Gaming top 10 list. Check out our friends Dan and Nace at Bad Wolf Gaming, 859-646-6061, and at 711 Chestnut Street in Berea. Now, as you mentioned, or maybe you didn't mention, maybe I mentioned, but I just uh, had a birthday yesterday. I'm 42 years old. and uh, Happy Thanks, birthday. man. And this top 10 list is the 10 best things about being in your 40s. All right, before you do that, did you do anything? Good meal? Yeah, or? you know, uh, actually celebrated for a couple of days um, and, and going to continue celebrating Wednesday. I'm going to swing by your your haunt and uh, and sing some karaoke Wednesday. Yeah, sorry, I'm not going to be there. I'm heading back to Cleveland for a follow-up visit on the yeah. old ticker. But uh, what do you say, man? I run the gambit. So it's karaoke night out Karaoke here on night on Wednesdays, and that's kind of like I don't do it often, but at least once a year, once or twice a year I like to get out there and just uh, – and I'm bad at singing. I, like I'm not good at it. I just really enjoy it. You know, <laughs> That's the fun that's of karaoke. It. So, you know, from, from rap to country to bluegrass, man, if I know it, I will sing it, and I've got a pretty eclectic taste of music and, uh, you know, just, just that's fun. That's great. So, yeah. But, no, I went, uh, went to, had some Boone Tavern. That's great. Uh, which is a, a place I used to work. So I had a nice brunch yesterday, and um, or actually the day before yesterday. And then, cool. yeah, last night went out to uh, Nuevo Vallarta in Richmond, which is kind of like my like, extended family. Like, those folks are so good good to me up there. And uh, got the sombrero and the free shot and all that. So, yeah, just kept it pretty simple. Just got back from the, the beach, oh, nice. so I didn't really want to drive. Just kept it kind of close. So, But, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, uh, on the heels of my birthday, top ten best things about being in your 40s number 10 i can now use the term back in my day yeah, yeah. number nine you're old enough to remember when music was good <laughs> it's an old wow. man thing to say uh mm -hmm. number eight people now have to talk loud and slow so when I go to the store it's like hello sir I'm Would loud I don't like know about the slow part Tristan I can slow down yeah. for you Number seven, Wheel of Fortune. 
Number six, infinite pride in yard work. Bingo. Number five, learning trendy new words like bay and YOLO. <laughs> Number four, everyone calls you sir. Number three, I now get what all the fuss was about watching Murder, She Wrote reruns. Number two, daily walks through the abandoned mall. Yes. And the number one great thing about being in your 40s, pocket full of Werther's. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I pretty much buy them every time I'm checking out. They're wonderful. <laughs> exactly. Cannot beat the Werther's. All right, man. Well, now I will tell you yeah. this, this is all based on, you know, actuary tables. The safest drivers on the road are men in their 40s. Really? Yeah. Well, think about it. You're 40, so you're not racing some jag off next to you. You're not hitting the accelerator and challenging them. And you're still you still have all your faculties and your and your reflexes are still wonderful. So, yeah, statistically speaking, the safest drivers on the road are men in their Interesting. 40s. Interesting. It's pretty cool. Now, I will say not necessarily. Go ahead. Not necessarily Asian. Oh, men, wow. But, you know, just, I mean, as, as long as we're, yeah, we, and we should do more generalizations against ethnic groups of people. I feel like would be better for the show. Um, and to my discredit, Ray, I am a very aggressive driver. You know, I probably drive, not probably, I drive always too fast and occasionally music way too loud, loud music. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely the, uh, not, not the, yeah, Singing. not, not the rule on that. I'm, one of the guys in the 40s that should, you know, probably pay a little bit more for insurance. Well, happy belated birthday, brother. Have fun singing tomorrow night. I hope we accomplish something on this show, and uh, I will see you Sounds next week. Great, man. Thanks a lot. Good luck at the clinic. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thanks to Troy. Thanks to um, uh, Nate. Thanks to Daniel and Nasa and um, Robin and Aaron. Yeah, I got to remember to take everybody's and, uh, shirts. We'll hear from them real I got to give people shirts. I keep forgetting. I meant to take Aaron a shirt this weekend or shirts and forgot. So, yeah. Well, hopefully next week we'll get together in the studio. So bring the shirts because I know a few people who want them too. I, I, one of our employees was bowling in one last night. It's oh, good that's looking awesome. shirt. Yeah, I thought they came out pretty nice. I was yeah. I was pretty pleased. So yeah, yeah very good. They're, they're cool shirts. All right, brother. Have hey, a great take week. Care, Ray. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.